0: Welcome to Success Story, the most useful podcast in the world. I'm your host, Scott D. Clary. The Success Story podcast is part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. The HubSpot Podcast Network has tons of great podcasts for business leaders like the Martech podcast. The Martech podcast hosted by Benjamin Shapiro each week. He tells stories of world-class marketers who use technology to create lasting success for their businesses and their careers. So if any of these topics sound interesting to you, here's a little sample of what he speaks about. You're going to have to check out the show. How science is changing advertising, how to set up a CRM so you actually use it, private equity's take on digital transformation, why big social is focused on newsletters. If any of these topics resonate with you, if they sound like you want to dive deeper and actually go into some of these topics, this is what the show's about. You should go listen to the MarTech Podcast. You can listen to the MarTech Podcast anywhere you get your podcast, or if you want, you can, of course, listen to it on the HubSpot Podcast Network at hubspot.com slash podcast network. You'll find the MarTech Podcast there. Today, my guest is Andrew Frawley. Andrew was the CMO for Andrew Yang during his bid for president in December of 2017. Andrew Frawley joined Andrew Yang. When at the time the operation was running out of Yang's mother's apartment as a team of only three, Frawley worked in a myriad of catch-all roles until he was entrusted to develop, build, strategize the campaign's marketing team from just himself to over a dozen dozen individuals. In his role as director, Frawley created the well-popularized math hat, so make America think harder, directed the campaign's social media team, which saw a growth of 375,000% Uh, Developed the awarded quote unquote best in politics merchandise and raised tens of millions of dollars, fueling the organization's growth to over 300 staffers. Andrew Frawley is a marketer and business builder by trade. He's worked on a dozen startups and now political operations from Silicon Valley to New York to Richmond, Virginia. He received a BA in Brand Management and and Certificate of Venture Creation and Product Innovation from Virginia Commonwealth University in 2016. He has been writing for his blog for the past six years and has been asked to contribute to The Guardian, Inc., Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and Lifehack. His writing on popular questions and answers uh, on on Quora have been viewed over two million times. So we're going to break down... His story, his origin story, how he got involved with Andrew Yang, some of the things you have to consider when you're building out a marketing campaign for a potential president. Where do you even start? Uh, How do you measure the effectiveness of some of these early stage marketing tactics? How he got Andrew Yang on Joe Rogan and how that changed the entire trajectory of the entire marketing uh, campaign. Um, Some of the things that he's had to think through when marketing in the political arena, um, what type of marketing resonates with American voters? And also, how do you focus on fundraising versus generating awareness when you're actually trying to make someone a household name? So a ton of marketing lessons, also just a ton of great stories from the Andrew Yang campaign Um, And he has definitely the inside scoop on what actually goes on behind the scenes and what is actually presented to the public when you are building out a potential presidential campaign or a a presidential marketing campaign. So I hope you enjoy. This is Andrew Frawley, who was the CMO heading up all marketing for Andrew Yang during his bid for president in December of 2017.
1: So, yeah, my origin story uh, starts in college, like I think um, for many people, at least where they're uh, charting their way. Um, You know, I spent my first two years uh, doing pretty much nothing productive. And eventually at some point near the middle to end of my sophomore year, I just had this sort of uh, great desire to like not uh, just burn out and just flail into nowhere land uh, after college. And so I started wanting to um, figure out what I was going to do. And I came up with this big aspiration to change the world, which, you know, I didn't know what that meant at the time. I just wanted to change the world because it sounded, sounded great. I uh, got all into Steve Jobs and really, really started, like, getting pretty obsessed with that guy. Um, wanted to get into startups and do all those things. And, you know, I'm in college. I have, you know, I'm studying marketing marketing. Um, I, you know, I don't really have anything going for me. I mean, I'm at Virginia Commonwealth University. My grades are like a 2.5 GPA. I mean, really not not thriving at all. So I start like working super hard, you know, start getting dean's list. I jump into a bunch of certificate programs and things like that where I'm, uh, you know, studying venture creation, entrepreneurship, product innovation. I do all sorts of interesting things. Long story short, I, you know, need to figure out where I'm going to go after college for, um, you know, startups and things like that one of the places that I sort of latched onto was this organization called Venture for America, which, um, as some may know, was founded by Andrew Yang. And the whole thing was like, it was an easy like, um, ramp into entrepreneurship. You got to mentor under people, you had job security while working in a startup The two were sort of a contradiction. Um, and I, I really became obsessed with it, put my heart and soul into applying and trying to get into this organization. Um, and somehow I got an interview because I really, I guess my, my, um, application just showed my heart and soul so much. Um, before the interview, a few friends of mine, we ended up driving to New York City to go to the Venture for America headquarters. Uh, you know, we wanted to like try and push our hand and, you know, show that we were motivated and we're in the city, you know, that old trick. Um, so we stopped by the headquarters and we happened to, uh, while we're there, we're just chatting it up with the recruiter. You know, I'm, I'm super nervous. I feel like an imposter. I'm like two years ago, I was doing you know, keg stands and stuff. Um, or actually at that point, it was like a, a year ago. Um, and at some point, Andrew Yang walks in the room and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I, you know, I, I really, it, it's like seeing your idol. I mean, at that point in time, uh, he was pretty much a nobody in society, but I I'd really idealized this organization. Well, um, both good and bad luck happens. Uh, he, he steps out of the room, but right after he steps out of the room, I, I build up the courage to say something. And I thank the recruiter for allowing us, applyes to visit, uh, you know, their headquarters. And obviously, everyone's like, "What the hell is an applyee?" And then someone's like, "You mean applicant?" And I'm like, "Yes." And obviously, that's just like the, <laughs> one of like the worst days of my life. Um, am I in am I, front of Andrew Yang. Well, well, that's that was the good luck of the situation. Is he had just stepped out, um, <laughs> and, and after the meeting, you know, a friend of mine is walking in the street. And he's like, you yeah, know, don't worry, man. Like. At least Andrew Yang like didn't hear you say that because then you definitely wouldn't have gotten in. <laughs> well, long story short, I get denied um, and I'm crushed and I write some like long sad story on my blog. Um, but I, I gain a lot of inspiration from Steve Jobs because you know that guy's just uh, never gave up in his career and same with Elon Musk. I was, you know, those guys were popular then, but um, you know Elon Musk was much less popular than he is now. So I like to think I was ahead of the curve, but Really obsessed with those guys, and I took inspiration from their tenacity and just packed my car and just drove to California. Um, I couldn't get a job out there because at that point I had a 3.0 out of VCU marketing degree. No one cared who I was, Uh, so I couldn't get a job. And if you can't get a job, you can't get a house in San Francisco because the rent default rate is so high. So I had six thousand dollars in savings, and I just packed my car and I just said, you know, fuck it. (laughs) I just and I just drove over there. Um, I really had nowhere, no idea where I was going to stay. I was like, I guess I'll just like stay in an Airbnb for a few nights. I don't know. Eventually, around Colorado, a friend of mine texts me and he's like, "Hey, there's this thing out there called hacker houses. You should live in one." And I love the idea because one of the main reasons I was driving to San Francisco was under this, um, advice that I'd heard on a Tim Ferris podcast. No idea who said it. They were basically like, you know, whatever, um. You're doing after college. The number one thing you should be optimizing for is putting your surrounding yourself with just the smartest people that you possibly can surround yourself with. And I'm like, well, San Francisco is a good place to start, um, at least if you're trying to do startups. So I apply to this hacker house. I cite all these weird side projects I've been doing in college as proof that I am, you know, a motivated person. They accept me, and I show up to San Francisco, and I'm living in a bunk, that the, the top bunk of a Ten by ten room uh in a hacker house with fifty people, and that was quite a year um long story short, I end up getting a job out there. I have a big existential crisis um I ended up realizing that uh you know i I wanted to change the world, but ultimately, I came to realize that like you know I was just like insecure, and changing the world was like this this great like safety blanket that made me feel like I was powerful and strong like if you can change the world, i mean geez like aren't you special? Um, so that was like a very educational experience for me. Nine months of just like basically being depressed and sad. Um, and now there are two things that were going on at this time. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life because I became existential and my whole dream to change the world no longer made sense. And at the same time, I'm living in the hacker house where I have all these friends who are like 80% software engineers, like super hardcore techies. Um, the, the great, folklore of the house is that the Talk Buterin founder of uh, Ethereum supposedly stayed there for a week. That's the claim to fame. Not sure if it's true. Um, so everyone there is super techie. And a bunch of my friends in the house, were talking all about artificial intelligence. And they're like, you know, the gray goo is going to take over the world. And we're all going to turn into paper clips. If you know, those sort of, uh, those, um, you know, th- those wor- worrisome tales of AI and you know, I think they're right. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty concerning. Um, But what I see happening is that uh, before they turn us into paperclips, we're going to take all of our jobs and then everyone's going to get very sad and depressed because I'm now spending all of my time, you know, thinking about mental health. And I'm like, wow, you know, jobs are obviously a a very key part of, uh, you know, people's, um, you know, purpose in life, which is, you know, one of the great drivers of uh quality of self-worth. life self-worth yeah yeah so it's,
0: it's self-worth. your self-worth is very tied to it your your job
1: yeah i mean and and you know i believe people can have a lot of worth without um jobs and things like that but you know when you've grown up in a world where they tell you that your worth is your your income and your job unless you're like very esoteric and bohemian um which i <laughs> sort of am but um that, that's like a hard concept to like uh adopt especially after, you know, young adulthood. So I get all into mental health and I'm all about the robots. I'm really concerned about it. Um, And I start getting into psychology and philosophy and economics because I'm trying to find the big new system to uh, deal with this joblessness that, that seems like it may be coming down the pike. Um, And I'm on a trip to New York city in June 2017, I had actually networked my way into a meeting with Gary Vaynerchuk because I was obsessed with him. And this was one of the most pivotal life experiences for me because I had the chance to have a private meeting with Gary Vaynerchuk. 5 minutes long, just me. I'd spent 3 years networking to this guy. I the way I landed the meeting eventually was that he had posted on his Instagram that he was decorating a new room in his office. Um themed after some band named like Quiet Riot or something. And I never heard of them, but I decided to DM him. And I'm like, hey, I have a Quiet Riot record. And he's like, okay, like send it on over. And so I go on eBay and I buy a Quiet Riot record. And then I send it to him and I'm like, okay, great. I have it in. (laughs) And I cash that in two years later. I'm like, hey, man, I'd love to come by and see um, this Quiet Riot record. I get the meeting. And I have this choice where I'm like, okay, I'm visiting New York City. I have this awesome meeting with Gary Vaynerchuk. And I know my friend who's also visiting New York City with me at the same time we were visiting for a conference. I know this guy would love, he loves Gary Vaynerchuk. And I know Gary doesn't give a shit about this meeting. (laughs) He's just doing it. Just, you know, whatever, because that's what he does. And I'm like, should I invite him? Or should I just like be be a glutton and take in just every minute, every second of this? But through my whole existential crisis in San Francisco, I'd become much more like empathetic and, you know, caring and compassionate, I guess. And I decide, you know, share the moment, just, you know, be a inclusive, giving person um, just for the sake of giving. So I invite my friend and he's like, hey, I actually have a meeting at the same time with Andrew Yang, um, but we can move that back because who cares? And we can go to Gary Vaynerchuk together. And then you can just join me for my meeting with Andrew Yang because it's not a big deal. I'm like, sure, whatever. Like, who cares about that guy? Um, So we go to Gary Vaynerchuk. It's an awesome time. And we go to Andrew Yang. And, you know, he's this is summer of 2017. And he's, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm going to be leaving Venture for America. We're just chatting, hanging out. And he starts talking about AI and robots and the future of labor. And I'm freaking out. I mean, I literally have textbooks in my bag. I pull them out, you know, I'm like, economic textbooks that, you know, (laughs) I admittedly only barely understood the time. (laughs) I'm like, what's the system, man, the robots are coming. (laughs) And so we connect a ton. And he says he has some big project coming up. And we really hit it off. I mean, just like BFFs immediately. I email him afterwards. I'm just, you know, hey, man, um, whatever you're doing, I'd love to help out. That's when he tells me, you know, running for president on universal basic income, if you're into that, like, you should join. I don't even know what that means. I pretty much hated politics growing up. I grew up in D.C. um, where the, the stench is very real. And it took me three months to decide. I had a few phone calls with him to define what it means to, like, help out. Uh He basically says I'm going to be the launching the marketing team. Um And I eventually say yes. Obviously, that's why I'm here. And I end up officially joining in December, 2017, uh, second person on the staff, it's me, him, and one other person working out of his mother's apartment as we launched the campaign. And then, you know, that whole story begins.
0: Have you ever done marketing up until this point? Like oh formal. Yeah. Any, oh, yeah, any yeah, sort yeah. of formal marketing?
1: So I, <laughs> that, that, that little thing. So when I was in San Francisco, I, um, was running marketing for a software startup, But admittedly, it was kind of like a joke. Uh, I mean, God bless the place. But the whole team was remote. Like everyone, like a lot of the people were hired, were out of uh, like the Ukraine. And so it was just a team of one. It was just me. So this is where I had actually been writing a book about my experience on the campaign. Um, And the title of it was Imposter Revolutionary because Andrew Yang and I traveled one-on-one for the first nine months of the campaign. and. He always used to sit in the car and he'd be like, man, what revolutionaries we are like, look at us just roaming the country, like taking on like this big challenge. And I always felt like an imposter because, you know, I'd gotten rejected from his organization before and I don't know if he knew that. <laughs> and, um, and then I also would sit there and think like, I don't know anything about politics and, um, truly I've only done been full time employed at a marketing place for nine months before this, and even there it was just a one man operation. And so it's it's one of those things where it's like everyone does one man operation marketing. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like a commodity at this point. Like everyone's personal brand is like their own little like one man marketing operation. They all use co-schedule and you know Buffer and Hootsuite, and they've everyone's pretty much used those things. So it's like, what what do I really bring here? <laughs>
0: So, so how did you, so you, obviously incredible imposter syndrome, um, yeah, but, but I would say that, uh, and I, I don't know the entire backstory of how he funded and how he grew and and, and how he became such a prominent name in American politics. And obviously, I you know how the story ends. He, he didn't, he didn't uh, get to where he wanted to be, but I mean, he made quite a run and quite a name for himself. So what were some of the first things that you took on to market Andrew Yang?
1: Yeah. Well, it was, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a really interesting experience. Um, we would sit in his mother's living room who was, uh, out of the country at the time. So she wasn't also there with us. Um, and it, it, it was completely surreal that this campaign would ever be anything, uh, you know, we're, he has no business running for president, frankly, and uh, we're just sitting there and, you know, I'm looking at the employee number one, Muhan, and we're building the website and we're basically just copying Bernie Sanders's website. Um, you know, that that idea, um, steal like an artist by Austin Kleon. Uh, I don't know if that's how you say his last name we We lived that completely. I mean that was that was our motto, basically the first year. so we we built up the website. I mean, my first tasks were just ridiculous. I mean, he didn't even have good photos of himself, so I spent a ton of time just trying to find a photo of him that wasn't like seven hundred pixels. Um, I mean i I was fighting like Wikipedia to list him as a candidate, um, like all sorts of silly things. The rough goal that we had, though was like, okay, we're launching for president. We have a lot of time, we're launching pretty early. It was a very startup mentality, which was, you know, we're gonna try and just launch early and iterate um based on like what feedback we're getting from the market. Our loose expectations were that Asian Americans would care about him, UBI supporters would care about him, techies would care about him, and young, disenchanted voters would care about him. In the long run, that played out, um, but early on no one cared no one cared about him. <laughs> just I mean we announced like February 9th or 10th or something, uh, February 2018. And we had set written goals on our whiteboard that were like, how much money do you think we're going to raise in like the first, (laughs) I think it was a week or month. And we said like 350 to 500,000. And uh, we didn't raise that for the first year we ran for president. I mean, we we just got owned. Um, The actual development of the strategy was I mean, at first we thought people would care. So then once that thesis was disproven, um, like we had to change things up. Like I had thought early on, all I had to do was email a few reporters. Hey, look at this guy. And they'd be like, wow, he's interesting and he's smart. We're going to talk about him. And then that didn't happen. So then the strategy changed. It was like, okay, so let's try and get attention. So we started doing all sorts of weird things. Like we... did our first UBI giveaway in New Hampshire and Iowa in 2018. Like we went to the States and we were like, Hey, we're going to do a giveaway. One family will get a thousand dollars a month from Andrew Yang himself. Um, but ultimately, uh, no, still no one cared. I mean, we really thought we were going to break that one open with that. Um, but nobody cared. Uh, our budget at this time was about $30,000 a month. Um, I mean, we were really, really making nothing, uh, and he wasn't really funding it. I mean, he put in about 50000 at the outset to fund us uh, in like December before we had launched. But truly, the campaign was funded by people, um, albeit for 2018, it was like $30,000 a month. The uh, big break- breakthroughs that we had um, were essentially alternative media. Um, one person on the team credits me for pushing us towards this. I know I advocated for it. A lot, but I don't know if I was like really the the number one, you know, originator of it. But podcasts were, were pretty much how Andrew Yang became a thing. Um the first breakthrough was in 2018 uh with Sam Harris, who just happened to find his book, followed Andrew Yang on Twitter. Andrew Yang is like, hey, this guy with a million followers followed me. He DMs Sam Harris and says, like, hey, um, uh, good to meet you. And Sam Harris says he likes his book, invites him on the podcast. Um I I loved Sam Harris at the time. I still do actually. Um I'd even gone to see him in person that that spring. So one day I just get an email from Sam Harris in my inbox saying, you know, hey, hey Andrew Yang, uh wanna come on my podcast? I freak out. And that becomes like the biggest event for us. We're raising sixty thousand dollars a month. Um and after that everything became an obsession about Joe Rogan. Uh because that was like the next big, you know, consolidation of um, uh, let's say disenfranchised voters and things like that. Um, But that's like the rough schematic of 2018, but um, I can dig into like more interesting details or um, if you have any. No, I
0: I want to, I want to dig in. This is interesting because I want to, I want to figure out how you took this, this, because Andrew Yang was the brand and you took it from. Like you, like you didn't have, have classical marketing training really. And you, show. and you built something with it. Um, um, very, 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 like a very, like that's what I mean, very impressive. So let's, so let's, let's go. go, let's dig, dig in, in more. more. Like what else, else? what else do you, do you got? So you did alternative media. You got yeah. a podcast with Sam Harris. So you're doubling down. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. So 2018 was a very spiritual moment for me uh, where I was really doing a lot of soul searching because I had thought, I'd always thought that I was exceptional at marketing Like I grew up on the internet, you know, I was always doing memes and like viral things when I was like 13 and 14, I played World of Warcraft. Um, And so I just always felt like I knew this, this whole, you know, arena. Uh, But I was really struggling to have him grow. And I I really believe that Andrew Yang was an exceptional product. And that was like one of my most educational experiences because in the long term, he was an exceptional product. And yet I was sitting there doing everything that like the growth hackers of the era were doing, and like nothing was working. Um, you know, I was doing outreach to journalists. I had big media blasts. I mean, I was I was tracking you know media uh, who were talking about the presidential race, and I was sliding in there. You know, emails. Um, you know, on Instagram, I was commenting on other people's posts, responding to people, responding to all the DMs, doing follow, unfollow. I mean, I was doing everything that you could imagine. Um, and, you know, we were growing at like 50 followers a week, you know, on, on Facebook. Slow. Yeah, slow. And on Facebook, you know, I'm inviting friends of friends. I mean, on Instagram, I'm connecting the contacts of people's phones. Like I would go to lunch with a friend and I'd be like, Hey, can I get your phone? I would log into our Instagram and then invite their contacts to like his, I mean, I was like <laughs> really scrapping it and we just weren't going anywhere. And, our content, you know, I was doing all the shareable things, you know, the headlines and, you know, optimizing the videos and, you know, putting a face and the right. I mean, I was like doing everything, timing of posting. Nothing was growing us for, for shit. Um, you know, I was doing, you know, I, I love Ryan Holiday's book. Trust me, I'm lying. So I was pretty much doing everything in that book, um, you know, trading up the chain with media. I was, you know, I mean, I was literally doing everything. That you could think of. Um, I mean, I even had. I used the service HitLeap, which basically sends um, views to articles. And so, the on the rare chance there would be an article about Andrew Yang, I would send like thirty thousand, basically spam, you know, spam views to the article, so that hoping that the editors would see that Andrew Yang sells. I mean, I was doing all the things, and nothing was working. The biggest breakthrough was that right around the time that Sam Harris was happening, I started a Facebook group and I was really, really big on the Facebook group. I mean, the things that I was touting at this time during the campaign was LinkedIn, Cora, podcasts and Facebook groups. Uh, LinkedIn and Cora we never really got going, but I was advocating for them. I mean, I don't even know if they would have. Succeeded, but those to me were the alternative media routes to actual growth. Um, You know, I, I say this to people now, like Facebook and Instagram, you're not, you're not growing your, your, your audience on those platforms, unless you're huge, like you're maintaining your audience and you're essentially directing the narrative and the story to those who follow you. But those platforms are now like the, the website of 2021. Um, Like they're a storefront that people go and search for um unless you're huge so you have to like find new places to grow yourself so i was all about the alternative media um alternative media also has the incentive just for what it's worth Uh, side note alternative media has the baked in incentive where like these platforms want to grow so what they actually end up doing is they incentivize um creators to come to their platform by giving them like highly shareable content so it spreads and um or highly shareable algorithms uh so that basically they get discovered um i mean if you look at instagram like it's pretty hard to actually uh see your content spreading so uh TikTok, obviously perfect example i mean literally like you you look at a video and send it to everyone you know i mean it's just like that thing explodes so uh whatever side note on on uh alternative media and early early platforms but um so I, I pushed this into a Facebook group. My whole thesis was like, um, you know, we don't have a lot of supporters. Like what we want to do is put them all in the same place. So that they I just want
0: to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, HubSpot. HubSpot is the CRM that you have to have for your business. And whatever your business is up to, your CRM platform should be ready. Why? Because believe it or not, CRM platforms are no longer just a selling tool. They're the heart of building and scaling your business. With tools for marketing, sales, customer service, content management and operations, the HubSpot CRM platform is fully customizable for whatever your business needs. Use HubSpot to meet customer demand, align your teams, work smarter, not harder, scale up without having the need to slow down. With total control and over 650 integrations, HubSpot enables your team to succeed no matter how big or how small. Whether you're just getting started or looking for a robust system, HubSpot is the number one CRM for scaling businesses. Learn more about how you can customize your CRM platform at
1: HubSpot.com. No others exist, and then they can like uh, cook up things to do. And I've come up with this analogy, which I call the house party analogy, uh, which is if you think about... You know, your movement or you're building a thing, a community community, whatever it is. Um you have to sort of think about it like a house party. Uh because one of the interesting things that I did on our campaign was I did not have us optimized for money or donations pretty much until the middle of 2019. Because in my view, if you think about a house party, we're a house party that's empty. Like if you go to a house party and there's nobody in it and they're like at the front door, they're like, hey, it's $10 to come in. You're like, for what? What do you charge? Like, you're annoying. There's nothing here. You have nothing to sell. I viewed it as the same thing because I always thought to myself, why does it seem like donating to Andrew Yang right now is such a waste of money? Because you know he's not going to do anything with it. I mean, when he's an irrelevant guy, you're just like, I'm just going to light my money on fire. People only donate, this is for politics, but people only donate when like you have momentum and they think their money is going to make a difference. When you're 80% out of first place, they'll, you know, they think it's just a a waste of resources, which (laughs) I mean, I mean, I don't blame them. So that was my sort of thesis. So if you have a house party, having a Facebook group and a Reddit group or just discord, whatever, a place to congregate your people is like, let's say you have 10 people in your home. Okay. 10 people just wandering around your home. Still a weird experience. 10 people focused in your kitchen. Very, very uh, focused tailored experience. And then the key about the Facebook group and why I had advocated the Facebook group over Reddit and things like that early on was that you can control it a lot more. And I think that's important. Same thing with the house party, which is like, um, if you have 10 people in your house, you can completely set the tone of the experience, um, which is important because it essentially sets the direction for the rest of the night. You know, are you, you know, just, having white wine and sitting around chatting over you know some coffee table books or are you you know whipping out the tequila and saying you know let's go everyone you know <laughs> uh but you very much set the tone and so in the facebook group uh i set it up just before the sam harris podcast by coincidence um and one of the things that i had done is if you went to our facebook page on facebook every single other candidate who ran for president in the whole entirety of the campaign on their Facebook page, they used their Facebook page, they made the button, you know, go to the website and donate. I made ours, join our Facebook group. And I swear, I swear I finessed them so hard. Because if you came to our Facebook group, you have to answer questions like what's your email? How are you finding us? All these things. It ended up becoming a super, super effective way to gather data on like how we were growing um, at the time. And I, we, we captured tens of thousands of emails throughout the, the time of the campaign. Um, anyway, so people joined the Facebook group. And then in that Facebook group, Sam Harris blows up. And then so, all of a sudden, we have like 500 people in this Facebook group. And we have a real thing. And that was essentially the beginning of the Yang Gang because I then went to that Facebook group every single day. And I set the culture for what it means to be part of the Yang Gang. And so I would go in there and I'd, I would give people daily tasks. I would give the whole group. I'd be like, today... This journalist left Andrew Yang off his list of 2020 contenders. Here's his email. Let him know. Let him know what you think about that.
0: You You mobilized that community in a big way.
1: way. Yeah. And so that was, that became essentially, you know, I tell people, I'm like, well, I think the inevitable result is that Andrew Yang supporters would have been the online mobilized army that they were either way. But I also can't help the coincidence, can't help recognize the coincidence, which was that for six months, Until From that point until the Joe Rogan podcast, I was growing this Facebook group and then eventually a Discord and a Reddit group that had explicit activities, had a spreadsheet that I'd made of, like, directed communities and places to go and just, like, dominate. Um, And then so throughout that entire fall, I was essentially just curating this community. I would bring in Andrew Yang's own personal Facebook. He would let me log on there. And then I would make a post from him, which was like... (laughs) Hello everyone, here's like the three activities of the fall. And it would be um, create, I think it was create, uh, distribute, and something else, which was just these directives over and over, day after day. And then we hired community leaders to run the groups, expand the groups. And it just sort of started to blow up. Um, We incentivized meme creation. I mean, I, I, I gave these people a Dropbox folder of funny photos of Yang, like looking weird that I'd taken. And I was like, here, like, make these into weird memes of him. Um, so we were completely fueling this fire of, like, online mobilization, just take over the web. Because if you actually think about it, that goes back to the, um, you know, the the Ryan Holiday sort of uh, trading up the chain idea, which is, like, start really small and then build your way up. And the smallest is forums. Um, I mean, I had, I had a Google alert tracking every forum that talked about him on the internet. And then I would just funnel that to this um, Facebook group. And I'd say, hey, go go live in this community and talk about him some more. Um, so all of this was going on. Um, that, that was activity one. Entering the fall, the other thing that I had realized was that um, I, I basically wasn't gonna break Andrew Yang out. I tried all of my moves. And so what my strategy eventually became was I'm going to prepare us for the day he does break out. And so I spent a lot of time actually building out our online funnels, our tracking, our infrastructure, um, you know, Google ads, all those things, making our website stronger. um, And then purely just optimizing for uh, super exponential opportunities, which is effectively the only thing we we really cared about was getting on Joe Rogan, um, which eventually came through in, I mean he went on in February twenty uh twenty nineteen, but that actually came through Sam Harris, who just texted Joe Rogan, was like, Hey, you should have this guy on. <laughs> and then he said yes. That that, that was that said. was it.
0: That's that, the that's that, the strategy. I mean, was, that's the secret.
1: <laughs> we had actually um, asked Sam Harris to do that before, but he I don't know if he asked or I don't know what happened, but um that's that's how it happened. I mean, I had emailed Joe Rogan, obviously. I was bombarding him, I was sending our community to just blow up this guy's channels for months. So I don't know what the real tipping point was, but, uh, as far as we know, for sure what happened, it was a Sam Harris text message to Joe Rogan. Um,
0: man, it's who, you know, it you know. really
1: is. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then he goes on Joe Rogan and that's when things just go just totally off the rails. We were still spending or raising about, you know, 25, $30,000 a month. And then we go on Joe Rogan. And we start raising $40,000 a day. Uh, so entering Joe Rogan, we were a team of like seven, I think. And then that was February 2019. And then September 2019, we were 300 people. <laughs> we, we we just entered this uh, totally insane scaling mode. He ends up becoming like the third person to qualify for the debates. Nobody knows who he is. I mean, it's just the spring was the spring was like that time in life where you just feel like you're the coolest per- person to like at the party. Um, like the media was obsessed with him. They had no idea what he was or what was going on. I mean, the downside was that the alt-right became obsessed with him, which was, uh, super strange. Um, that was super weird. Um, effectively what happened was in March I was gonna say you better tell me what you better tell me what what, what happened. You can't just leave it at super weird. I wanna I wanna know intricate details of the weirdest shit that you saw. <laughs> well it was really weird because in March twenty nineteen, Andrew Yang blows up on the internet, uh, through Joe Rogan and I don't know what happened, but I I think some people in the Yang Gang just went into 4chan and they started posting about Yang. Like they were just at this point I wasn't even directing the Yang Gang really. I mean they were It was just like this uh, um, very autonomous animal, uh, but still living by sort of like the (laughs) directional values, which was cool. But so they gone on 4chan, I guess, just to plaster Yang to the Internet. Um, And 4chan, it was just so weird. 4chan, like, fell in love with him because Yang, uh, you know, his organization organization venture for America was... uh, covered a lot of midwestern cities and so he'd spent a lot of time in like essentially the midwest um and we had done some work out there you know working with truck drivers and stuff trying to talk about automated uh you know vehicles um and he had once shared a tweet from the new york times talking about white deaths um which is i you know i think the life expect life life expectancy of white americans has gone down like three years in a row or four years uh, in a row or something so it
0: was some of these activities that it gained some uh, interest from all right. all right yeah okay and so not not intentional but just like these these individual activities over the course of a period of time all of a sudden they're looking at this person like who is this guy they're
1: like hey it's a democrat that cares about white people was an explicit uh comment that <laughs> i had found on 4chan um which is i i, I mean i'm not even going to comment on that that's just like a whole thing but for whatever reason yeah. they become obsessed with him and and that was just super weird because we're like riding this high of exploding. And then all of a sudden we're like, you know, we have these like alt right people showing up at our rallies. And you know, then you're like, Oh, like fuck it. Like shit. Like, like, God damn it. Um, yeah, it was just like weird. And then they, they started the weird thing is a lot of people on 4chan didn't think it was possible that 4chan people would like Andrew Yang. And I mean, I sort of agree with them, but. So then they thought that we were faking it. So then you had half of 4chan that loved Andrew Yang and then half of 4chan that thought all the love was like fake bots that our team of like five was producing. And so then they started attacking us. Um, You know, they started like doxing people on our staff, like they would get our phone calls or phone numbers and call us. I mean, and like, you know, threaten us. I mean, there were some death threats and, you know, we're going to come. I mean it just got super weird. And I was like, wow, we are, (laughs) we are in politics now. Um, Eventually it it sort of died off just because Andrew Yang just kept saying, you know, basically like, you know, I don't want your sport, Leave me alone. Um, And then, you know, then we just rode the wave. Uh, That's around the time I came up with the idea for the math hat, which was uh, probably the coolest thing I've done so far in my career. we were actually filming with andrew yang uh in the studio uh making some ads for facebook and he had his you know slogan that he would always say which was you know the opposite of donald trump is an asian guy who likes math and he finished that line yeah i actually i actually never loved that slogan I, i wrote about that on my website which was you know technically wouldn't it at the minimum be like an asian woman uh, or, like, you know, if you want to get too esoteric, like, you know, the opposite of Donald Trump is like a non-living rock or an empty, like, matterless orb. I mean, you know, how, how how far are we going here? Um, So, I you know, I never thought it really made that much sense. But, I mean, he loved it, said it all the time. And um, he said that line at the end of the ad, and then he just was sitting there. Then he goes, math, math, math. I love math. (laughs) And then then it just clicked in my head and I said, oh my God, what if we, like, I I was like, I, I forget exactly how I said it, but I said, oh my God, imagine if we had rallies and we had people holding up signs that said math. Imagine, like, I just thought it was the funniest thing ever. Just like total satire and trolling. You know, you have all these candidates, you know, with hope. And, you know, all their ridiculous slogans and stuff that just feel like empty platitudes. And then I just imagine this guy just, like, roaming around America with just signs that said math. It just was the greatest thing ever. But Yang loved it. Zach Raman, our campaign manager, loved it. And we just loved it. We were like, that's the perfect slogan. It represents what he stands for, which is just, you know, by the numbers. You know, he's a candidate who's not here to just, you know, uh, sort of... Uh, charade you or, you know, playing the circus. Like he's just like, buy the numbers, solve the problems, like objective, like do the work. That's sort of what it stood for. Um, and then I made the math hat and we sold, um, I, I took a lot of inspiration for our merchandise from streetwear and like Supreme and all that stuff. And so, um, our first sale of the math hat, uh, we only sold 500 and they have like a little tag in it that says it's like, the original five hundred or something, and those things you did a custom
0: drop. drop on the math yeah. hat. I didn't realize yeah, did that. That's awesome. And um, yeah.
1: yeah, we sold five hundred and twenty-two minutes, and uh, and then over the course of the campaign, we sold uh, about three hundred thousand of the hats. And then I just kept going back to the custom drops. We did one that was like a marijuana themed math hat. It was like green, um, and we did all sorts of things. I mean, some of them we were selling for like a uh, hundred hundred dollars i mean we were just i was really playing up you know the same exact ideologies of um, you know streetwear, just exorbitant prices purely for the hype um yeah and then it was crazy and at that point he had broken out and he was just getting invited on everything i mean he went on colbert he did all sorts of things um and we got up to like four percent in polling but um we sort of stalled there um for a few months and in politics it's like a a really long time, like you, you especially when you're down so so far you need to grow pretty exponentially um, so around September, we started hiring a bunch of uh, like more traditional political people and uh, we had had this sort of spiritual crisis, which is do we keep trying to be the same fun happy go lucky troll kind of candidate and hope that maybe we're stalling because whatever, or maybe do we um you know change our strategy and You know, the challenge is there's there's good slogans for for each of those, you know, or business axioms. You know, what got you here won't get you there. But at the same time, you can stop and look at Trump and you're like, well, that guy was literally just a giant, you know, man, what's the right word? That's both accurate and appropriate for a podcast. Uh, Troll. We'll just say troll. That guy was a big troll from start to finish. And it, got him. And it didn't got him change there. anything, and it got him there. <laughs> that yeah. guy yeah. almost got reelected, not changing. Um, so you know, there's no right answer. We we tried to professionalize, um, and so in the fall we stopped doing um, as much fun stuff. You know, you saw Yang Yang like take off the hat, do all sorts of things, um, and yeah, it didn't really work. And then we pretty much just stalled at four or five percent, and uh, and then we lost. <laughs> It's, it's, it's the, it's, it's the, the most <laughs> anticlimactic end to a
0: story. You just totally out. You just like drop the, the mic, mic. I'm done. This. It was, <laughs> that's it. it. Yeah, I mean that dude. That's <laughs> in all seriousness. I I think you are. I think you are under um underselling how impressive the stuff that you did was coming from where you came from.
1: Oh yeah. Seriously. I mean it. It was pretty wild. I mean we had pretty much no business being like fifth in line, um, given where we came from. I truly do think you would have been. exceptional president um i mean that he ran for mayor and i was not really involved in that um i think he would have been an exceptional mayor too but i i'm pretty disenchanted with politics right now um i mean I, i pretty much always was but i you know the lack of nuance in political discourse is very discouraging uh really you know, makes it difficult to feel like anything productive will ever happen um, because everything is so nuanced. Um, you know, I'm just everything. I'm just everyone's perspective, what people say. It's so context relevant. Um, I mean, and then politics. But it's now. spun out of yeah, context, yeah, everything in which politics is driving. Is just yeah. Intentionally cutting out the context. I mean, it it's really discouraging. I mean, the way he was covered in the mayoral race was was unbelievable I I mean it the stuff that I'd read was surreal I mean it was really surreal and it's weird knowing someone effectively famous so intimately I mean I you know his whole family his mom I birthday dinners with his children um and it's just really weird I mean obviously i i don't think he's you know i i think he's uh has all these exceptional traits and things like that um and it's just it, it's just strange because it has changed a lot of how i look at media coverage um i'm not mm-hmm. like you know some anarcho guy who's like you know the media's you know totally terrible but it has changed um a lot you know a lot of times I saw you've
0: seen me, you've, you've lived, lived behind the curtain.
1: Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I was in the room for things that I saw that were written about. Um, and I was like, wow, that is, that is an interesting portrayal of like that event. Um, I mean, even business insider wrote this article about Yang. Um, I, I think maybe probably in like February of this year, they write this long article about him and they are, uh, saying that the campaign had this big bro culture and all this like terrible stuff. And I read the article and I'm like, wait a second. They're citing like 10 people here, but I know for a fact that out of these like 10 instances, like seven of those are the same person. Like I know that's the same. Like I was there. I know the only Mm -hmm. person who's saying that anyways, we ended up getting in a whole thing with their, um, editorial board. And if you go and look at the article, I mean, it's behind a paywall. So way to go business insider, but, um, they have like a three, three paragraph corrections added to the article because they were like, yeah, we, I mean, they said explicitly, we, we made it sound like we had way more sources than we had. I mean, they had pictures in the article where I was like, I have text messages receiving that photo from the person who took it. Like, I, like I was literally like, I was there for all those things. Um, so it was just very strange very strange, but. But
0: as a, as a marketer, like you still have, so now that you know that, now that you know that, are you, I'm just, I'm, I guess I'm more curious where your aspirations uh, are focused on going forward because you had an incredible run. You did things that most marketers will never be able to do in their career or have the exposure or the, the impact that some marketers will ever have in their career. And then you've, you've, you know ridden the highs, seen the lows, seen the worst of it um, so where does that leave you as a marketer? Is that something that because are you going back into working with Yang? are you doing your own thing what's what's next after this
1: well when the campaign ended, actually, one of the major reasons I um wanted to like move on for you know the short term i mean, I would could see myself working with him again, but I wanted to have some uh, separation to sort of like go off on my own, because when I joined the campaign, I was 23. Like when I ended, I was 27. And when you're 23 versus 27, (laughs) like anyone who's 27 would know, you change pretty dramatically career-wise. You know, that's your first five years. Like It's like your first five years, you know, walking. You know, you really gain a lot of like acuity. Um, So I wanted to sort of go out and just sort of um, venture off on my own and sort of like, I guess, fly my wings as an adult. Um, Mm -hmm. As far as marketing, I mean, let me think. So, I mean, one of the things that I'll say, I mean, this doesn't directly answer the question, but it does loop into it. It was very humbling. Um, It's like one of those things, I wish I could just take the experience out of my brain and just like give it to people because the context I gained and the self awareness as like what it really takes to blow something up or to just do anything at a mega scale was just so life changing because for the first year I had like very I was very self conscious about my marketing because I was like um, not growing our business and I was like we have an exceptional product and we're not growing and I mean whose fault is it it's mine um,
0: just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode manly bands listen guys for your better halves entire life they've been thinking of the perfect ring the cut the clarity the shape of the diamond whatever it may be a lot of thought goes into her ring less thought goes into our ring and i partnered up with manly bands because i've actually never found a company that is entirely focused on creating bands for men so manly bands saves you from the hellish experience that is buying a great ring for a man. Literally every type of metal you can possibly think of, every type of style, in every single size, obviously they have that available one-stop shop for all men's rings. So obviously first you're going to manly bands and you're getting a ring sizer to make sure that your ring fits. Not too tight, not too large, it's going to slip off. Then after you know your size, that's where the fun starts. You pick from gold, wood, and antler, steel. They even have dinosaur bone and meteorite as options for materials to build your ring from. And if you don't want to start from scratch, you can go to one of their collections. They're all rated so you can see what's popular, what looks good. They have a Jack Daniels whiskey barrel collection. And if you already have a wedding band, this is just a beautiful ring that you can wear. It's stylish. You can use it for other occasions. Perhaps you don't have to wear it as a wedding band either. You can just use it as another ring. The point is, high quality quality, great wide selection of material. It looks good. It feels good. And like I said, I've never seen a bespoke store for men's rings like this. So once you've selected your ring, if you're going through the success story podcast, if you're listening to this right now, you're going to get 21% off. I'll give you a code in a second, but there's free worldwide shipping and a 30 day exchange policy and free warranty included in your ring. So if you want to get 21% off your next ring or band purchase, and also you'll get a free silicone ring that you can use when you're working out, when you're in the gym, whatever, you go to manlybands.com slash success story. That's manlybands.com slash success story. You get 21% off, you get a free silicone ring, worldwide shipping, 30-day exchange, the best
1: damn ring you'll ever buy, period. All right, let's get back to the show. And then he blows up, like we get our big sort of moment. And then I was doing my same marketing stuff in 2019, but with an audience, and it was just crushing the game. I mean, our merchandise... I designed every single piece of our merchandise, um, managed the store, all of the drops, all the marketing around it, like Yang wearing a math hat was not an accident, was to push the brand. Um, And our merchandise was 30% of our revenue. And for a normal political campaign, it's like 5%, like just blew it out of the water. Um, I mean, there's multiple articles online citing our merchandise as like, you know, the best of the entire political cycle. And I'm a guy who literally had never did no shit about politics until, so it's very educational. And so the one thing that I'll say to anyone trying to do anything is like, if you want to blow up, have exponentials, like your product must absolutely be exceptional because what I learned was like, even with an exceptional product that became this like little mini political sensation, we spent like a year and a half (laughs) in total obscurity, a year and a half. 30k a month. I mean, we were literally pushing credit card debt to pay our bills some months. And that is with a guy who became a sensation and was like, you know, glue to people's eyes. If your product is anything short of like exceptional, if you think about any of the other 25 candidates who ran for president, who like no one remembers. I mean, so I I, I just think that's like really helpful context. It's like really what it takes, like exceptional product. And years of toiling are like in your future. If you're trying to, you know, break something out, if you have an exceptional product, if you don't, I would find a way to get an exceptional product. Um, So I, I, that was like my biggest marketing lesson, just period. Um, So, you know, I put that out there because I think it's great. As far as marketing for me, I mean, I'm trying to transition out of marketing, honestly. Um, But for probably the next six months to a year, I'm probably going to get involved in the next political cycle, um, just in a light capacity, just because it is kind of fun. I mean, when you know shit so well, um, like I've had like a lot of people reach out to me this year to, you know, just ask questions on how to set up their campaigns and stuff. And I mean, I'm charging $200 an hour. I mean, people are just giving me like real money and I just love it. And so I'm like, okay, well, why, why would I completely step away from this? But um so yeah, I mean, for the next like year and a half i'll I'll do consulting for that sort of stuff in a light capacity. It is fun um I'm hoping to probably do some consulting in the music industry I love music um i I mean I was inspired by the music industry, so that's just like a fun thing um but big- big picture for my career um i mean I'm trying to transition out of marketing full time to uh like mental health advocacy that was obviously my uh, original mission. Um, I'm ultimately trying to. Well, I'm trying to solve a certain problem, which is mental health. How that happens, unknown. I mean, I have a lot of ideas. I'm currently in a research phase, trying to figure out what direction that is. I mean, it could be me working under someone who has do, who's doing something exceptional. It could be launching my own nonprofit. It could be launching a private business. I'm literally just in the phase of like reading psychology textbooks and talking to professors and stuff trying to figure out the best way to solve the exact like sliver of the uh you know let's say crisis that I care about the most and then I'm going to evaluate you know highest leverage point to do that um so if that answers the question of both sort of like marketing and like what I'm doing it does
0: what when when you think of when you, when you think of one, um, and and now that you know how to grow something, um, I'm sure that uh, whatever you're going to take on, now you have a, a way to take it to market too. So that's always useful. Yeah. It's a useful skill to have. Um, what is, what one is one marketing uh, lesson insight that transcends industry? Hmm.
1: That transcends industry. Well,
0: or product. Or vertical, yeah, yeah. Or whatever. I think
1: I think the one I said transcends industry for sure um
0: the product focus so having an incredible product yeah
1: i think i mean I, I just think that's like
0: the what about community step one that's what i wanted to uh, unpack
1: cause did well. you did it well um yeah i mean i definitely think community transcends um you know industry uh i mean i really think everything i had said about how we built our community is pretty much what other people should be doing I it, to me I, I say this to friends. I think marketing today is harder than it has literally ever been um, because I have a little... uh So this is the way I look at it. There's you, you essentially have like four ways. Well, technically, there's five. Well, here's the biggest insight that I gained from the campaign. If you're designing a marketing plan, like the first question to ask yourself is like, do I have credibility or like clout or some sort of influence in this industry? And pretty much for everyone the answer is no. Like, unless you're Andrew Yang now or Joe Biden or uh I don't know, Bobby Hundreds, that's a random streetwear artist. But like those people have credibility, like they already have sort of like a reputation, a brand. So they can cross industries, they can jump into the more uh traditional uh social channels and marketing channels and actually have success. Like Bobby Hundreds probably actually grows his Instagram on Instagram because he's big enough that people share stuff, he gets added to, you know, the discover page, you know, things like that happen when you're big. When you're small and have essentially no credibility, you have to find a way to get credibility. That retrospectively to me was like the central task that we were trying to figure out on the campaign, and one of those ways to get credibility is having a community. Um And for us on the campaign, we had obviously no credibility. Yang was like, had literally nothing. I mean, just like not even super rich, like just just a guy. Um, And so your task to grow uh, becomes very challenging. You pretty much have four marketing channels, four options. Um, So you have stunts. Well, actually, let's start with number one. You have legacy media, which is like the New York Times, you know, Washington Post, Fox News. If you have no credibility, though, like you're probably not getting on there to begin with. Um, Yang got on there a few times early on in like 2018. And I swear to you, like five people on our website. I mean, he would go on Fox News Live with Stuart Varney, you know, 10 people on our website. I mean, really, when you don't matter, it just no one cares. They're like, oh, who's that? People don't even look up at the TV. So your second option is stunts, which is, you know, what it sounds like. It's flapping your hands in the air. It's doing crazy things. And ultimately, I realized they don't really help or matter. You know, Andrew Yang, at the peak of his hype, goes on a debate stage in July 2019. And he says, I'm giving away, you know, or maybe it's September, whatever. I'm giving away $120,000 to 10 Americans Each person gets $1,000 a month or whatever the numbers are, right? He he said, he's giving away a bunch of money to 10 Americans. Our website blew up and we had a hundred, God, what was it? 150,000 people on our website at one time. Um, We had like a million signups on our website in 24 hours. And I swear to you, like 95% of those people unsubscribed in like a week. I mean, it was like no hesitation. (laughs) So... I learned a lot about stunts. We were truly the stunt campaign. Like, trust me, like we did all the stunts. Just Google Andrew Yang stunts. I'm sure you'll find a list somewhere. They really didn't help. Like, they just they just don't. I mean, it seems like it's going to be good, but it just doesn't. Unless you can truly find a way to make it last long, it really was literally just up and down, and it was like a total waste of effort. Your third option is paid ads, which again, if you don't have credibility, you really probably don't even have money um, to begin with. Uh, because usually if you have money, that's unfortunately just like inherently credibility, but, you know, the same thing with us, 2018, what are you going to do? Like, what, what are your Facebook ads going to do for $2,000 a month? You're running for president. You know, you need to go from, you know, I used to do the math. Like we had to, we had to like a hundred thousand X, you know, ads like paid ads are generally a linear growth. You're not going to find some magical exponential in there. So that's not your channel. So the last channel that you really have um, is alternative media. And the challenge is that alternative media is saturated. Like it's alternative, but Gary Vaynerchuk has basically been screaming for long enough that alternative media is the way that even new media just gets blown up immediately. I mean, I think the best example of this is Clubhouse, Uh, whenever it became Mm -hmm. hype, you know, in March or whatever. I mean, that thing in like two weeks just became a self-promotional hellhole. I mean, you couldn't get on there without someone sounding like, you know, they were, you know, on SNL. I mean, it was like, are you serious? I mean, you get into a Clubhouse and they're like, I mean, it was just self-promotion everywhere and then everyone hated it immediately and now their you know their users are down 90 percent. so i tell people like man alternative media is just the hardest or, or marketing right now is harder than ever um if i were to be like launching a venture i mean you still have to do alternative media that's your best shot um like even podcasts i mean you know you you have to have some sort of credibility to even get on anything i mean like you're not getting on Sam Harris without Andrew Yang writing a whole book published by a top four publishing house, you know, you're not getting, so it's like, geez, like even that's tough. Um, even I'm on here because I built, you know, something. So it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Even podcasts pretty high wall. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, if I were launching, I mean, I'd be on like TikTok. I'd be exploiting growth and stuff like that. But I think, depending on your business you could even try like older things like uh like my girlfriend's launching a business uh or has been working on a business and i've even told her to do like flyers like she's doing um it's sort of like a, a spiritual therapy sort of thing and she lives in mexico and um Playa del carmen if anyone knows that it's right next to tulum very hip place very transient and so i said honestly like go put up flyers in like yoga studios. Um, And she did that and she's had like moderate success. I mean, very low cost, you know, really targeted.
0: So (laughs) very different than what people are very different than being, you know, what people are are used to when they're consuming content and being inundated on social and whatnot.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, you know, the, the, the whole point of marketing is to, uh, you know, stand out effectively. Well, the whole point of marketing is to sell your product, but, really what how you do that is to just sort of like stand out in some sort of way um and sometimes that's just you know going back through the whole cycle of things that sell and like maybe it's um doing a traditional method in a different way um but if everyone's doing something like you should probably still be there like she's on TikTok, has great success on TikTok, but um you know it's like it's not a zero-sum game with marketing it's actually just uh it's infinite. You could do it all and just burn all of your life balance. Just to have no life, just do marketing all day long. <laughs> it's a joke. It's I wouldn't encourage that. But yeah.
0: yeah, but you can. You can. You definitely. I think that the most important takeaway is like, if you are trying alternative media, like you have to test to figure out like what works, what doesn't, and then double down on what's working. Oh yeah, yeah. And just exploit that medium as much as possible.
1: Yeah, I mean, with the de- without a doubt, the testing is um, like all marketing principles that anyone's read about, like you know those those are bundled into this uh, recommendation uh as a default
0: very good okay um all right i want to ask some some rapid fire to pull out some insights from your career um but before before i pivot before I, I, I go into a rapid fire anything else that you wanted to touch on uh to close off the uh the andrew yang saga or or your life saga before we uh before we keep going
1: um No, I mean, I think, oh, just heard thunder. I don't know if you heard that. Um, I, you know, I think it's just like one of those things where I, where I look back at my sort of Yang experience and I always do feel like it's semi-magical. You know, I get denied from his organization and then I'm like, you know, fuck that. I'm going to San Francisco. And then, you know, the Gary Vaynerchuk thing, Somehow pulls me back into it by this like random act of selflessness. Um, it's, it's
0: serendipity. Yeah, I mean, there, there's something uh... <laughs>
1: magical there. I mean, if if you've listened to this, like, I think there's some sort of lessons about you know, obviously just uh, you know the the whole idea of not giving up, just just uh, being crazy and going for it. I think culture now really rewards and encourages that. I think more young people are just doing wild stuff, you know, going across the country and just shooting their shot. Um that's definitely the way to do it. I mean surround yourself with people and um just shoot your shot and just go after it and learn and it'll you'll make it work. Where Where
0: if before I do rapid fire, um where would people reach out to you if they want to connect with you?
1: Uh I'd probably email me. Um I mean my email is andrew at My website is andrewprody.com you And I think I have a contact form on there. Uh, I obviously have like Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that. I really just not jiving with social media lately. What's actually kind of funny is I don't really like social media that much. Um, I mean, I have journals that I've written to myself since 2013 saying, like, I actually don't think social media is going to be a a net positive for humanity. Um, I kind of think it's fun, but. I don't know, it sort of sucks your soul out a little bit. Um, so I actually don't use, I haven't used Twitter in my, like the last three months. Um, don't really plan on using it, but I'm on there. You can find me and same with Instagram. If you just search my name, I'm sure I'll come up.
0: Good, good. Yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't disagree with you. It's 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 almost like an, a necessary evil, but for some people, but um, that's fair. Okay, so let's go into some rapid fire. Um, what would be... Uh, what would be one thing that you would tell your twenty year old self
1: Oh man, uh, stop partying <laughs> That's one of my many regrets is you know I sometimes think I'm like, man, I don't know there's just in college when I was in college, I thought the thing you're supposed to do is you know live it up and party and go crazy, but actually. You will never get that kind of freedom again uh, unless you gain some sort of, like, financial freedom or, like, find a way to, like, break out of the nine to five, employ yourself. Like, it's very possible, actually. Like, I, I have more freedom now than I did in college. But for, like, a lot of people, college is, like, this really, really rare cosm of freedom. Uh, and I spent a lot of it partying because I thought, thought that's what, you know, it, you're supposed to do. I guess, I don't know, you know, you're like nineteen, twenty. Uh, but I look back and I'm like, man, what I would have done to be intellectually curious, you know, to be asking philosophical questions and to have those resources available in that time where you can go to clubs filled with like your friends, like community. And, um, you know, people are just like the, the, the core pillar of my life. Like I love co-living. I think everyone should live in co-living. Um, in college, is just this giant, massive co-living. I mean, it's just a. Gi- that's why people love college so much. It's actually not the partying, it's the people. So it's like, I would actually step away from the partying, spend that time in like a club with poetry and philosophy and those people party too. I mean, it's not like you're just not going to party. Um, but I look back and I'm like, wow, it would have just been so amazing to just be asking big questions, thinking deeply. I mean, college was literally inspired by... Like Plato's Academy, so like I don't know. Th- think about the We've, we, it's it's, <laughs> gone, gone. it's it's come a, it's gone
0: it's I was gonna say it's come a long way, but not in a in a positive uh, not in a positive way. Think about way. the origins
1: it's, of that, it's, and um, fallen. it's fallen far. <laughs> try, try to model that. Um, yeah, that's what I would say. That, that actually, you said it's supposed to be rapid fire, so my bad on that. <laughs>
0: I don't care. It's all good, man. This is your show. It's your show. Um, what would be, what would be one or actually, sorry, I already asked that. (laughs) What would be the biggest challenge that you've had in your, uh, in your personal or professional life and how did you
1: overcome it? Oh man. Uh, my biggest challenge was on the campaign, uh, that you don't really get respect for, uh, what you've done, per se. Um, Like on the campaign, I had a big problem, which was that I joined the campaign when I was 23 and like super green in marketing. And and this sort of gets to the concept of why I'd said I wanted to sort of like, um, you know, step away, I guess, from working with Yang and that whole network. Um, You know, I'd entered when I was 23 and just like, think about a 23-year-old. I mean, there's a big bell curve there of like, you know personality but i was like idealistic i made easy like careless mistakes i mean i had like a big vision and obviously i did fine with our marketing but like i made a lot of mistakes like i fucked up our scheduling like i double booked things and you sort of get anchored to this identity in people with, like unconsciously it's just how it goes um how the mind works and so by the end of the campaign you know i'm looking on paper and I'm like, wait a second, I'm like crushing a lot of these marketing things and yet internally on the campaign, I mean, not with everyone, but like with a variety of people, they just were like, oh, you're just like this fucking clueless kid and I'm like, I'm literally raising us like 30% of our money and this market and like the merchandise is what I'm doing in like my free time. Like, what are you, what are you saying? You know, the, look the Met, look the game. They're like, oh, yeah, you didn't make that. And I'm like, so... That was like very frustrating, just sort of getting taken seriously, I guess when you're young is maybe the best way to articulate it. Um, honestly, how did I deal with that? I mean, really, the only remedy I think is uh getting space uh from the the people for a few years. But on the campaign, I mean, I read a few books about just professionalism, and I just started being like extremely professional um like I came you know people thought I was not prepared. So I started being more prepared than anyone could ever be for everything. I mean, I had ridiculous flow charts for everything. I'm not ridiculous. They were actually practical, but like, oh, you want to know about like the merchandising process? You want to know how the tech team operates? Like here's a flow chart. Here's, here's where you are. Here's like what you do, you know? Um, it actually helped a lot, but you know, I was so sort of looked at as like a by some people as just like a that's yeah okay. whatever i said whatever that's i describe myself as yeah
0: um that's annoying that's, annoying. that's very annoying and it's, it's silly whatever yeah, I was it, like, what it, is. it is what I it is i was like
1: do you know what these other campaigns would do to have me in like one of their meetings <laughs> i was like it's like getting me right now
0: <laughs> i love it i love that man you got to you got to know your worth too but it's tough it's tough when you're young you, you you know it's not an easy thing to 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 do or to to feel confident in um. Okay, one person who's been highly influential. There's been many, but pick one. Who was that person? What did they teach you?
1: Uh, like a person I knew directly, or just like read about.
0: It's, a, it's your, you interpret the question as you want. It's your it's your question. Somebody, Somebody who's had an impact on you. Who who comes to mind?
1: Well, I mean, it's pretty much three people come to mind. Um, I'm not going to go into all of them, but I'll at least share their names. I mean, they've all been okay. talked about already, which is uh. I mean, Elon Musk, Steve Jobs, and Yang. Uh, I mean, they're super cliches. Again, I like to think and when I was obsessed with them, it was a little ahead of the curve. You were,
0: you were ahead of the curve. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not on Steve Jobs. I mean, that guy was completely passed away. Um, I mean, I'll probably say the Elon Musk thing. Uh, I mean, that guy, like, super inspired me. I mean, I'm not going to get into his behavior the last few years. That guy's really just actually... To be fair, I actually predicted this in 2016. I text my friends. I said, Watch Elon Musk become like so big that he ends up doing, you know, getting lost on his ego, doing stupid things, and a lot of people start hating him. I have a screenshot of that text message. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in college, I mean, I became so inspired by that guy. Same with uh, San Francisco era because, you know, I read his biography and that dude just, that, that guy's tenacity, or I don't even know if that's the right word. He's such a workhorse. He's just so mm-hmm. for the mission and just has such a tolerance for grinding it out. Um, and I always thought about that on the campaign. I mean, I thought about that at every phase. I mean, that guy just like never gave up ever, just took every punch to face and just kept on going. Um, I mean, on the campaign. uh like I was often referred to as like one of the hardest working people on the staff out of the whole 300. Um, I mean, I was, I don't ever want to do it again, but I mean, I was in there like 14 hours a day, just pounding it. I mean, just getting after it. Uh, and you know, I think it had a net impact on our outcome for sure. But, uh, I mean, it it was bad for my health, no doubt. Um, so (laughs) it's a great inspiration, Elon.
0: it's a great ins- yeah 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 well i think there's a whole other that's a whole other conversation about hustle culture you follow you follow if you if you at any point idolized uh, gary vaynerchuk in his earlier days uh, i think he has a more wholesome message now but or elon uh there's a listen there's something to be said you work hard you get shit done it's effective but it's not sustainable and there's other ways too
1: absolutely uh not about that now in my whole I have journals i you know I'm really intentional with my life i always have been and mm-hmm. I mean all over my journals are are balance <laughs> like i'm all about the balance and well being and um true mental health, which is uh uh you know requires uh the maturity to maturity and the uh the effort that it takes to allocate time and the um uh i don't know the ability to just like stop yourself interrupt a task and be like, okay, I finished mm-hmm. this. I'll come back tomorrow. I recognize, you know, <laughs> life will go on if I don't finish this in the next hour.
0: It's a healthy, it's a healthy mindset to have. Um, okay, a book or podcast that you'd recommend people go check out. You mentioned Ryan Holiday before. Uh, you, can, you can go with that one. You can go with any of his work. But, I mean, is there something else that's top of mind for you?
1: Well, 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 well. Um, I mean, the. Wow. So. Wow. The, the book that I've talked about probably the most in my life as a recommendation to people is Sapiens by Yuval Noah Harari. That's definitely not necessarily okay. like a business first book.
0: Uh, it doesn't have to be a business. Yeah.
1: Book. The, the subtitle is um, A Brief History of Humankind. And that just gave me so much context. I read that during my whole existential crisis. Uh, it changed the game for me um, because it just really helps you understand the the big levers that sort of drive society. Um, and, you know, I'm all about, you know, I'm in politics and society. So, so those are the things that really get me going. You know, how do we shape the world around us? I mean, that book will educate you. Um and, and the other one, the honorable mention is a book called Transcend by Scott, Scott Perry Kaufman, which is essentially like the science of well-being. And, um, and it's like a self-help book. It's super informative. It's beautiful. It He he t- he took Maslow's hierarchy of needs and essentially said, this is how real it is based on the science of the last 70 years. It's very real. He gives a new analogy, makes a little sailboat. It's just like, he literally gives a 13 point spectrum of like, these are literally like The scientifically like vetted sources of like well being and well being and psychology is like the defined term for just like just like living a good life like and it's yeah I mean I already have the thirteen point spectrum and I review it every week I like write a number I'm like you know how did I do on my vitality you know how am I with positive relationships my mastery my sense of purpose you know growth mindset Um, if you really focus on those things. I mean, it's, it's pretty, pretty transformative.
0: And this is uh, hopefully not too much of an existential question for you, but I have to ask everybody this. What is, what does success mean for you?
1: Uh, Freedom. It's totally freedom. Okay. Uh, I mean, I have four words that I'm optimizing my life for right now. It's uh, money, impact, freedom, and fuck, I don't even remember the last one. Well, you get three out of the four money impact uh and freedom um what is the last one whatever money impact freedom uh those are good those are good money basically funds freedom (laughs) uh i I saw this post interesting this post uh, recently on instagram of all places and someone was basically saying that you know it's not money that people want it's the lifestyle and i totally agree i mean i spent my summer in europe I literally went through like the Amalfi Coast, Tuscany, Italy, Venice, Florence, you know, the French Riviera. It just changed my whole perspective on money. Um, like those, that, that whole region of the world changed my perspective of just like just pleasure, I guess. I mean, it was so nice. Um, I just realized like, wow, like life can actually be really, really pleasant if <laughs> you can afford it. Um, not that you know, sitting in the suburbs isn't a bad time. I mean, I definitely push my my zen here, but um, yeah,
0: smart, very smart. Okay, man, okay, okay, man. All that's I all I got. That's that's, that's, that's...